When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Winds Howling, a companion podcast to The Witcher TV show on Netflix. We'll be diving deep into each episode of the show and exploring the larger context of the story from the games and novels. I'm Abu. I'm Brett. And Brett, it felt pretty good to say that intro again. It's been a while. Yeah, we were trying to figure out how long it's been, but as as I've stated just ad nauseum, time is just absolutely meaningless this past like almost it's been over a year now yeah and since this whole world has stopped making sense i guess but the show must go on and here we are and here we are yeah so it has been a while since we did a winds howling episode and you and i were chatting and we figured we should just sort of check in right like where does the witcher stand where does the netflix show stand there's been quite a bit of news and coincidentally today the day we're recording april 2nd is also when season two has officially wrapped shooting so it's kind of a timely moment to go over some of the biggest news surrounding season two and the spinoffs and the casting decisions and just kind of check in it seemed like there was no news forever yeah then they start filming And then there's no news, no news. And then I swear, it seemed like they dumped two dozen cast announcements within like a week or two. And then as soon as you start to process the cast, oh, we wrap shooting and we're done. Yeah. And I I suspect COVID was to blame for a lot of that, right? Like I'm sure the original marketing plan was to spread out the announcements and really build hype for season two. And then the pandemic hit. And we're going to talk about how the pandemic affected the affected season two but obviously it has delayed numerous movies it has shut down many productions and uh the witcher did not go unscathed and season two was also affected by that so uh, brett let's jump into season two and talk about it obviously the biggest question on everyone's mind is what is happening with season two during the pandemic were there delays is it still coming out this year what do we know for sure i have always said that I thought it would come out at Christmas. They did it the first time. And I will be shocked if it does not come out in between, I guess, Thanksgiving and Christmas is when it came out the first time. Basically a December release. And I think that's a perfect time to do it, especially because it was such a hit the first go around that it's done now. Like we're literally at the beginning of April, it's done. And now obviously the post-production is going to be intense and take a long time. But judging from what we've seen from other shows is this show will be worked upon almost until it gets released. And so let's say they're going to release it December 7th. I just pulled that out. They will probably be working on the finishing touches all the way through probably Thanksgiving, especially if they're going to release it all at once, which is another thing I kind of hope they don't do. I don't want the Netflix dump. I want it all. I'm sorry. I don't want it all at once. I want it spread out, have a little hype, let people discuss it, let people talk about it. Yeah. 
and give us a break, you know, like we're going to have to cover it every week. <laughs> then there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if they'll follow the season one strategy of release the whole show at once, but that is Netflix's MO. So I suspect that may be the case again. So buckle up. Yeah. But when you see something like The Boys and I don't believe that show would be as big a hit as it was if they dumped it at once. Yeah. And just so you know, Brett, I am picking up what you're putting down. We can talk about our boys podcast after we're done recording because <laughs> I am down. What a good show. But swinging back around to The Witcher, I think you're correct that we're going to see season two sometime this holiday season. The first season came out in December, just like you said. And I also think season two is going to probably drop December 2021, especially since they wrapped up filming just now here in April. Now, as far as how the pandemic affected production, if you can recall, Brett, there were a couple of delays and Henry Cavill actually had a minor injury on set that put him on a, out of commission for a bit. So the production has been pretty bumpy as far as we can tell, and it's been it's been pushed back. So I suspect them wrapping up here now in April is much later than they originally planned. And I think your gut instinct uh, about sort of the crunch time here in post-production to get it out by deadline is going to be pretty real. So respect for those teams that are going to be working overtime at Netflix trying to get this show done or at the production company trying to get the show done in time. Yeah, I wouldn't expect an announcement to when it's going to actually be released. If it's going to be, say, December, I would think late summer at the earliest, even early fall. So when are you thinking trailer based off of your own sort of gut instinct, pulling it out of your ass timeline? With everything filmed by now, I would think within a couple months, like maybe three months that you get some, maybe a teaser trailer where they just have the main you know, highlights that they want to show off or the new Nilfgaard armor to show mm -hmm, off or mm -hmm. Wild Hunt especially. Like, they're definitely going to show Aerodin and the Wild Hunt just to really blow people's minds who are not expecting that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so wrapping up our little chat here about season two, we do have an official Netflix description for season two, and it kind of gives us a couple of clues on what to expect from the story. Brett, I would love to hear this description read in your lovely Southern drawl, <laughs> if you don't mind. Give it to us. That's a, it's a Texas. Not, we're not Southern. We're Texas. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to be self-conscious about it. Convince oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Convince Yennefer's life was lost at the Battle of Sodden, Geralt of Rivia brings Princess Cirilla to the safest place he knows, his childhood home of Kaer Morhen. While the continent's elves... Kings, humans, and demons strive for supremacy outside its walls. He must protect the girl from something far more dangerous, the mysterious power she possesses inside. So, pretty vague as far as descriptions go, but we got to care more in name drop. And obviously we know for sure that we're going there because we're going to get into casting here a little bit, but we got castings for Cohen and Lambert and Eskel. So we definitely know that Kaer Morin's going to play a major part in the second season, which I'm personally very excited for. Yeah, it's going to be Blood of Elves. They're going to have that against Ciri at Kaer Morin with the Witcher yeah. Bros. Now, that's, again, that's all we know. It's probably not going to go exactly like the books, as not much from the show has. Mm -hmm, but at least mm -hmm. it looks like it's going to follow along that guideline, if you will. Yeah, definitely. 
And something else that we know about season two is Lauren Hitzrick, once again, the showrunner, confirmed that the second season's story is going to take place along a single timeline. And that is actually sort of a response. I mean, you and I talked about it plenty (laughs) back during our season one coverage, but there was a lot of criticism towards season one's decisions around storytelling and multiple timelines and jumping around the timeline decades into the future and past and in between before all three of them converged. All the timelines for Geralt, Ciri, and Yennefer finally converged by the end of this season. And it sounds like going forward here into season two, we are going to be sticking mostly to one timeline. I'm sure, like with all storytelling, there will be some flashbacks and some time sequence differences here or there, but it sounds like there will be no more jumping decades into the past and future and not having any idea how old Dandelion is supposed to be at any given (laughs) moment. (laughs) Now, I know we've gone down the rabbit hole and we've analyzed this ad nauseum, but I will die a very happy man never hearing (laughs) Witcher timeline and Nilfgaardian armor ever again. Like, they swung (laughs) and missed. They know they swung and missed. And by or judging by pictures of the new Nilfgaardian armor, they've at least corrected that. So yeah, looks great. We can put all this in the past, and from this season on, we can never speak of it again except on rewatches. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so you actually mentioned it earlier, and the last thing I want to say about season two before we move on to some casting announcements here is what books it'll be covering. So if you, like us, are a Witcher fan, you've maybe played the games and maybe you've read the books, the two books that we suspect season two will be covering are some short stories from Sword of Destiny and the primary sort of multi-part story that kicks off in Blood of Elves. So if you want to prep for the show and do a little reread, those are the two books you're going to want to reread. Those are the two books, personally, that I will be rereading before we start season two of this podcast and before season two of the show kicks off, just to refresh myself and make sure I'm up to speed on all, all the Witcher goodness. But if you're a super fan like us, just a reminder, Sword of Destiny, Blood of Elves are the two books you're going to want to read before season two. And with Istrid confirmed to be returning, like to me, that means there has to be a shard of ice yes. adapted. The story you desperately wanted. Well, it's not just desperately wanting. I think if you really want to hit on Yen and Geralt being together, you have to have that story. And we don't need to go into it. If people that know about it, they know about it. And people that don't know about it, hopefully you'll find out in the show. Maybe it'll be something like it. I don't know. But that's also mentions, that short story also mentions the Wild Hunt. And that's the Shard of Ice. And that's the queen, the, uh, the Ice Queen where the legend comes from. So I do think that's an easy way to really hit on their relationship and also lay the groundwork for Wild Hunt to where it can appear later in the season. Yeah. And based off of Istrid coming back, we can make an educated guess that we might see that short story. And there's actually another casting confirmation that confirms that we may see at least some interpretation of another really big fan favorite short story from that book about Nivellen. And you know what? Let's talk about casting because that's the next big thing we want to talk about. I'll just say right off the bat, Nivellen is being played by Tormund Giantsbane from Game of Thrones. And that is such a fun casting choice. 
He is one of the two people casted that I have ever heard of. Honestly, same. Yeah. I know Tormund, uh, Giants made from Game of Thrones. His real name is Christopher Haiju. I do not know how to say his last name. I think it's like Hoivu. Hoivu. Something like go. that. Yeah, you're you're much better with the European names than I am. <laughs> um, but let, let's blast through some of these casting, uh, other major casting decisions. These aren't all of the confirmed ones, but these are just some of the major characters or maybe some that we have discussed in the past that are now confirmed. So first and foremost, Philippa Eilhart is being played by Cassie Clare. I don't know if you know who that actor is. I only ever saw her in that Brave New World TV show that was on Peacock. I've never heard of that show, and I've never heard of her. So, welcome. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which is what, you know, I, I'd never heard of Freya Allen playing Siri or Anya Chalatra yeah. playing Yin. And my problems with Yin in the show has nothing to do with the casting. I think she's great in it. I think the problems there are the characterization. So, it's mm-hmm. almost in a way good because, like, you talked about being hyped to see Novellin. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be in, obviously, full makeup. But if he bears any resemblance to Kristoff yeah. to or Christopher, then it's just going to be, uh, it's fucking Tormund up there. Look at Tormund. Right, right. If, if there's like bear. a stray red hair in there somewhere, <laughs> I'm going to be like, you can't sound anything like him. Being? Yeah. So yeah. in a way, like, okay, I, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of a blending, especially of these two major fantasy series. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of nice to have no preconceived notions for a lot of these actors that I'm not familiar with. So, for example, Dijkstra is next on our list, played by Graham McTavish. And uh, I sort of I did my research and IMDb most of these people and tried to pick out maybe what they are most known for, or at least how I know them. And Graham McTavish played Dwalin in the Hobbit movies. And then he also played King Atlan in Aquaman. <laughs> so I don't remember that. But. I never, I never saw Aquaman, but I, I actually remembered his name was Dwalin because I like The Hobbit. Yeah, I did too. I'm not gonna apologize for that. You know what? It's better than Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> okay. kidding. I just wanted everybody. I just wanted everybody's ears to perk. See, I do that as a teacher. I do that to catch people's attention if they're not paying. You know, if they're not paying attention. I do that to get those ears pricked up and see those eyes and be like, okay, they were paying attention. So I'm getting everybody's attention out there. Uh, no, I do uh, like damn, the Hobbit movies. I had movies. to check my Fitbit there. My <laughs> yeah, just spiked for a second. Well, wait damn. a minute. Uh, but yeah, I also know him uh, prominently from Uncharted series where he's Charlie Cutter. Oh, oh, okay. But yeah, I know him. He's the only other one of the actors that I actually recognized. Uh, so let, let me blast through. Some more casting choices here. Uh, Again, the rest of these I'm not super familiar with, but I want to just shout them out anyway. Uh, Vesemir has been confirmed as being played by Kim Bodnia. Uh, And then Nenica, you completely roasted me for mispronouncing this back in season one. (laughs) Is that the right way to say that? Sure. No, that's the Leah, Nenica. Okay. Remember I called it Nenek? I think, yeah, Nenek. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Stop the show. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we also have a Nenica confirmation, an actor, main, actor named Joa Ando, I believe. And uh, she most recently played Lady Danbury in Bridgerton, which is on my to-watch list. So to round out our list of major casting choices here, I mentioned Cohen, Lambert, and Eskel earlier. Those three have also been confirmed. 
I don't know any of these people and I creeped on all of their IMDb's and I'm not even familiar with any of their work, but I'll say their names regardless in case any of our listeners know them. Yasuna Tor is playing Cohen, Paul Bullion is playing Lambert, and Basil Eldenbenz is playing Eskel. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There have been two confirmed spinoff series that are also currently in the works. So Netflix is really going all in. They're, they're jumping in feet first into the Witcher universe and putting some money behind it, which is exciting to see as a fan. All right, so the main thing that I'm interested in about this is The Witcher Blood Origin, which is this six-episode limited live-action prequel series that explores the world over 1,200 years before Geralt. And it's around the time of the conjunction of the spheres. And that's kind of what's confusing about The Witcher calendar is the year one where they kind of start it like in our real world. It's very European-based, and the calendar generally is like around the birth of Christ. Right. Well, here, it's this resurrection. So you might think, oh, Sapkowski's doing something like that. No, he's not, because there's no real information on the resurrection. <laughs> it's just the year one. It, oh, Sapkowski, I swear, that dude. Okay. But the conjunction of the spheres where all these monsters came in and all this crazy magic and stuff happened, that was a couple hundred years before that. It's also going to deal with the creation of the first Witcher, which stands to make sense. The conjunction opens up, these worlds collide, out come these werewolves, monsters, drowners, all of these things, right. and they need people to fight them. So then they create the first Witcher and all of that. And a lot of that is actually explored in Season of the Storms with Alzer and just kind of stuff hinted on at the end. So I don't know how much of that they'll take into it. They might just be completely on their own, or they might take a book character like Alzer and use that as far as like this mage and magic and doing all of it. But that's the most interesting to me because it's more blank and they can do whatever they want. And yeah. like with The Witcher right now, they're having to take these books and adapt them knowing that they're never going to fully please everybody and they have to adapt somebody else's work while creating their own thing. And that can just be a little tricky. But I think with this, they'll have a bit more carte blanche, if you will, to be able to do it. For sure. And like you're saying, Subkovsky never decided what happened at year one. You know, he never really explained the conjunction of the spheres. So this is sort of a blank area in Witcher lore. It's a blank area in the timeline that I think the showrunners here can really play with and try to just color in with their own stories and their own creations. And as far as characters go, we don't know how much they're going to rely on sort of tangential characters from the books. All we really know is that the lead character is an elf named Elle or Ellie, and she's going to be played by Jodie Turner-Smith. So we we did get an official casting announcement for the lead, and Elle is an elite warrior slash musician. And that's about as much as we know. I mean, it's 
been very hush-hush beyond the official casting announcement and beyond just explaining that this is a live-action prequel series. So it'll be exciting to see how they expand and explore more of The Witcher and start to like really create stuff that even super fans like you and I, Brett, don't know about and things that even Sapkowski never actually put to the page. And assuming they're going to take the main lore from the Witcher universe, it was around the conjunction, even after the conjunction, where humans emerged. And that's obviously where you have the elder races were here. And so the humans emerge. Eventually, they start to make treaties, deals with the elves mainly. And the other ones, they would go on to break them. And then you'd have your pogroms and all that. So I do think that even though it's only six episodes, I think they're really going to hit on that conflict, but I don't know how much they really want to do like racial conflict when it's like elves and humans, given the climate of the world now. But that was a big thing in shaping the Witcher continent was the humans arriving and essentially taking over. Yeah, I I hope they really do delve into that. And knowing that the main character is an elf... I hope we really truly see that from the elvish perspective, these humans suddenly arriving, this conjunction happening, these monsters arriving that I I hope we see that from the point of view of the elder races, because that would be a different perspective that we don't get in the books. Now, I know of the two confirmed announcements, you're excited about Blood Origin, but I'm going to actually lean the other way. I'm personally more excited about the other confirmed spinoff that we know about which is called Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. And this is actually a spinoff anime movie. And it's all about Vesemir. He's obviously a fan favorite character in the books and the games. Is he a Uh, fan favorite character from the books? Is he? Or is he a fan favorite character because of the games and his Papa Vess? You're right. You are 100% correct to (laughs) to correct me on that. (laughs) He's not he's he's barely, barely in the books. books. You're, yeah. you're right. Uh, my, my perception of Vesemir is definitely covered yeah, colored very heavily by the game. But I hope we I hope we get more about Vez because we know so little about him. And the games expanded on some of his his history and hinted at some of the adventures he might have gotten into as a younger Witcher. Uh, but again, the game is sort of expanded lore, not totally canon. I mean, the game, like, when you talk about canon, the games are not canon at all. Like, at all. Like, the canon, canon, and this is something that I actually will die on a hill about and am a purist about when it comes to talks of canon. Canon is whoever writes it, whoever owns it. Sapkowski owns The Witcher. He determines what is canon. If he's not involved Mm -hmm. in a project and even says that's not it, then it's not canon. Those games are amazing, but they're every bit as canon as anybody who writes any fan fiction. Right. And like, that is one thing there that I actually will <laughs> dig my heels in about. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally correct. And, you know, the, the games never had Sapkowski's blessings and, uh, you know, they, they, to some extent, are just really, really excellent fan fiction based off of the world that Sapkowski created. That, that goes for the show as well, that the show is an adaptation. It is not canon. Now, if something happens, like let's say Blood Origin, they do something and Sapkowski's like, oh man, I really do like that. Okay, yeah, that can be canon. 
And if he says, then that's what it is, then that becomes canon. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm partial towards Nightmare of the Wolf more so, honestly, because I'm a big anime fan, too. The live action has been great, but there are just some parts of the fantasy world of The Witcher that you can't really pull off believably in something that's purely live action. And I, I would love for this anime to try some more experimental stuff with the visuals. Uh, we do know the official description for this show as well, actually. Uh, quote, Long before mentoring Geralt, Vesemir begins his journey as a witcher after the mysterious Deglan claims him through the law of surprise. End quote. And based off of a leaked Portuguese Netflix page for the movie, we know that it's going to run an hour and 21 minutes. But beyond that, we don't know what part of Vesemir's history this will explore or where exactly in the timeline this anime movie spinoff will take place. But I'm excited for it regardless, and I'm definitely going to be watching it when it comes out. Okay, now that I've seen that it's an hour and 21 minutes, now I'm more excited for this. Because <laughs> that, oh, yeah? that's a little bit more respectful of time. And I know in 80 minutes I can watch something and be done with it. So, okay, I'm more excited yeah. about this now simply because of that. But have you seen the, the Castlevania anime? Yes. Yeah, okay. I really like that series. See, I have not watched it, but I've seen snippets of it. And the look of it, the feel of it, the tone of it, like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's where something, and I've always said this, back when they announced the show, I remember actually thinking, if they made this show with the technology of even, say, The Witcher 3 cutscenes, a fantasy series like that, to me, is just better with animation because it can just look really lame otherwise. Even if it's yeah high budget like it's going to be really hard to pull the stuff off and we saw that as everyone bagged on bill and trent and mirth the dragon <laughs> from the first season yeah, and I, you know yeah. it's just one of those and even as good as the dragons looked in say game of thrones there's just a thing where when you're dealing with fantasy and which is low fantasy it's not high fantasy it was something like that it's just a fine line it's just really hard to pull off. And we mentioned before, like Lord of the Rings, like Lord of the Rings was able to pull it off. And that was 20 years ago, which yeah. is weird how 20 years ago looks so much better than nowadays, but we'll, we'll <laughs> shelve that discussion uh, for another time. <laughs> but no, I, something like this, I think is built for anime. And again, it's one of those. So it's being developed by that studio. I don't know who's directing it. We know Bo DeMaio is writing it who was a staff writer on the first season. And to me, it's where visually, what are we going to get? Because say, look at Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Like uh, it was great, but that was, so it, it was visionary and it was the look of everything and how they did it. Like to me, that that's what made it for me. It, the story, everything else was fine. Like it was great. It was good. I should say story, all of that characters, yeah. they were all good, but the way that was told, the way that story was told was amazing. And that can be done here. And I'm really excited to see if it can be pulled off. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the Castlevania anime because I think you're spot on. If they can mimic that sort of animation style, mimic that vibe, hit that level of production quality for this movie, I think it'll be a home run at least for me personally, I'll enjoy it. But I'm hoping we 
learn more about it soon because we still don't know much more about it. <laughs> we don't know shit about nothing. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's wrap it up today. I mean, we've already sort of talked about what we're most excited for, but I wanted to end the episode and just get your thoughts on some of the news that we've covered and what we know about all of this Witcher content coming out over the course of the rest of the year. What are you most looking forward to? The season two premiere, Blood Origin, Nightmare of the Wolf, something else altogether. What's the thing that's got you on the edge of your seat for The Witcher? Uh, I wouldn't say anything's really on the edge of my seat. Having rewatched the first season again now, I'm thinking back now like it was recent, but it was, Jesus, probably like nine months ago. Yeah. The more I think about it, the less I'm excited about it. A lot of things about the first season, like character-wise, I just think they missed the mark on. And when it was new and it was fresh, like we got to see it early even, so that clouded judgment because it was like, we get to see this before everybody else. Oh, this is incredible. We yeah, finally get yeah. it. It's like when I first saw The Phantom Menace in theaters. I was 15 years old, and it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen because it was Star Wars in a theater. And then the more you think mm -hmm. about it, it's like, okay, this actually isn't very good. And then it goes down to, man, this kind of sucks. But I'm not quite there yet. Uh, with The Witcher, but there's a lot that I thought they missed the mark on from a character standpoint and just the storytelling of what I think they're trying to get to. I'm excited to see where they're going. And I think within the first two or three episodes, I think I'll have my answer. Oh, and okay. It'll, it'll, either, it'll either be, okay, I think they have the capabilities you know to go where i think they should go and if they don't then it's just like okay hopefully it can just be entertaining because i'm not gonna hold up my book and clutch it to my chest and be like they're ruining <laughs> this first off i don't care about it that much <laughs> second off i understand that it is an adaptation and that's why if they do defer from the books then just do your own thing like, do your own thing with the story. Like, you have these characters. Just take that characterization they have and do your own fucking thing. And yeah, run make with the, it. Yeah, and make the best show you can. And don't worry about pissing off the diehard people because you're probably going to piss them off anyway. And I don't even put myself in that. Like, like I said, I'm. this is not the Bible to me. Well, I don't really care about the Bible anyway. <laughs> this is not uh, a history book to me. That's what I'll swear on. <laughs> a primary source from the Crusades. <laughs> this is not a primary source document. That's the most important thing to me. Like, it's not, it's not holy. It's not sacred. Like, it's just, and you're adapting it. And so I just want to see if they're going to go for whatever story they're going to go for. Now, I'm oddly enough, very much on the same page as you. It sounds like you've rewatched season one more recently than I have. I basically watched and rewatched season one over and over and over again back when we were sort of in the trenches and making this podcast and just like totally in the Witcher universe. And then I really needed a break after that. So I, you know, I haven't revisited the Witcher since. I haven't touched any of the books. I definitely plan to. I plan on rewatching season one. I plan on reading the books I mentioned earlier the closer we get to season two and as we prep for this podcast to relaunch and revamp, I'm definitely going to be diving headfirst back into The Witcher, but I think with a slightly different mindset. I went into the first season kind of from the perspective of like a 
a super fan who thinks the text is holy and wants the perfect adaptation of just what the text is. After having gone through season one and seeing some of the changes, some for better, some for worse, I am going into season two with a very similar perspective as you. The text is not holy. It's not going to be a perfect one-for-one adaptation, but it is going to be its own version of the Witcher story. And at the end of the day, no matter what, I love the Witcher universe. I love these characters and we're getting more of them. And I'll be happy with that, you know? Unless it like really, really fucking sucks, which I doubt it will. <laughs> we, uh, you know, like the show's not going to bomb by any means. And we already know the sort of baseline level of quality that's been set by season one. And we can hope that season two will top that quality. So I'm definitely looking forward to season two, but I don't think I'm quite jumping out of my seat for it like I was for the first season. Like I said earlier, though, I am more excited for the spinoffs, honestly. Blood Origin's going to be really cool to see the Witcher universe expanded in a way that it has never been before. And Nightmare of the Wolf is just going to be a cool new medium to explore the Witcher. You know, we've gotten comic books, we've gotten video games, we have the books, we have a live action show, and now we're getting an anime. So it'll be cool to see how it once again jumps to a different medium and a different type of adaptation. And of course, explores a character that we know very little about from the books and the games. So we're getting more Witcher. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be very happy with that. The Witcherverse has only just begun. Well, Abu, podcasts are podcasts, lesser, greater, middling. They're all the same. But we've completed our contract and it's time to collect our reward. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the path.